Welcome to Everything Went Black podcast. It's with great pleasure that I introduce our next guest, Matt Staggs. He is um, the host of the Disinfo podcast, and uh, we're real excited about having having you on, Matt. I know you primarily as a blogger and writer, and uh, you know through your through the podcast Disinfo. And I know that you also have a brand new podcast that you're uh, you're working on. That's correct. Well, first of all. Uh, you know, what was your, your educational background and how did you arrive at, uh, you know, doing this sort of thing? That's a good question. Um, uh, you know, I barely graduated high school. I got out with like a D minus. Uh, I think the people in my school just wanted to go ahead and get rid of me. Uh, I didn't really fit in too well. Um, and uh, after that, I, I screwed around a lot uh, in college, wasted a ton of money. Um, I'm a couple of credits short of a BFA in painting. Boy, that would have been handy. And uh, instead, went and got a degree, dropped out for a little bit, and then went back and got a degree in psychology, So, which also has turned out to be quote-unquote handy. Um, that's that's pretty much where I came from. After that, everything's been pretty much DIY, uh, education-wise. Uh, I'm a big believer in you know, just uh, learning things where you can, picking up skills here and there, and just uh, doing what you can to make yourself a better person. But as far as like writing and getting involved in, you know, blogging and your, your connection with Disinfo, I mean, did, was writing, were you a big reader? Was that how you got into writing? I was a huge reader, still am. I'm always reading a handful of books. Um, I just had a knack, I guess, for writing, but it was something I'd never explored, uh, especially after college. Uh, I worked in a mental health unit for a long time, and I had a friend, my buddy Kenny, who was working at an ad agency that was doing a startup magazine. Uh, Kenny was, I guess, a fan, if you will, of my long, rambling emails that I would send him about this and that. Um, so he asked me if I'd like to come on and write. That turned into a very short-lived full-time job, and from there, I, I just kind of, you know, picked up the skills, took my knocks, uh, like anybody learning something new, and, um, you know, just got work where I could. Uh, I worked in PR um, and wrote press releases, stuff like that. I uh, got involved with uh, some local indie publications and um, just started blogging in like uh, 2006 when that kind of thing was really starting to come online. I, I still just like to write a lot and, uh, and, you know, I think between that and just always willing to put in the time, you know, uh, and, and to work for free when need be, just pick up skills. Uh, I've done okay. One of the things that I imagine, because I primarily like right now, you're you know you're you're a freelancer for the most part, um, and that sort of change of consciousness from uh, going from a regular job where you get that sweet paycheck every couple of weeks to this sort of uh, you know freestyle um, invoice based income sort of scenario. Like how is how is that? You know how how did you you get accustomed to that sort of lifestyle? I don't think anybody becomes accustomed to it. Um, but what I do is I try to only think in terms of this month. You know, I get enough money to pay the bills for this month. That's all I'm going to think about. Um, I, you know, sometimes joke with my wife, well, guess what? The mortgage is going to be paid one more month. And, uh, and then just try to keep working. If you start to work too much about how things are going to come together, then you'll never get anything done. And, you know, worry and anxiety has always been a problem of mine. Uh, I left my day job under less than auspicious circumstances, I guess, from their perspective. I just got 
hired him one day and, and realized that I didn't really have to be there anymore, that I could earn a living on my own. You know, I had a few things on the side. And, uh, you know, one of those days where the boss was just shrieking and yelling at me, I said, well, you know, I guess I'm just going to go ahead and go. I don't have to be here anymore. And yeah, I turned in my ID and my key and left. So that's my, that was the way I did it is, is I didn't have any way to back out. Yeah, that's, that's kind of a, a day that a lot of people, I think, dream about, <laughs> you know, just yeah. showing up well, one day. Yeah, in my defense, the particular person I worked for was a train wreck of a human being. I know everybody says that about their bosses, but this person was a, you know, drunk, uh, very much uh, had addictive issues that uh, this person, because I'm avoiding gender, um, did not want to deal with. And, uh, in, in a lot of emotional problems, um, very dysfunctional workplace. I worked with a lot of people that were, you know, gossipers and, and just kind of crazy abusive nut jobs that lived for uh, daytime television and celebrity gossip <laughs> and, uh, basically making me a punching bag. Um, I, you know, they accidentally CC'd me on emails where they were talking about how much they despised me. So <laughs> that, that might tell you a little bit of the intellectual quotient there. Um, in the past, the same person had never really done a good job with letting people go. Like if you turn in your notice, then the person in charge would do their best to make sure that you did not get to complete that notice, you know, that you lost your vacation time. Uh, um, anything that this person could do to make sure uh, that your time there was miserable, that would happen. So it was kind of like I knew what was coming either way. So I just took uh, what I thought was the best option and bailed. Yeah, it's pretty intense, man. Um, you know, because here I live in New York City, and uh, paying the bills is like the objective of a lot of people. That, and also making making money and sort of chasing that dollar sign. And uh, you know, as the years go by, um, I start thinking more and more that the more meaningful things in life um, are not things that you can buy with dollars, but things that you actually achieve through. Um, you know, like having like a community or uh, sort of creative pursuits and things like that. So, I mean, it's it's, yeah. it's comforting to hear that, you know. Well, yeah, but, you know, I have a couple of advantages that and, and this is a strength that I think I've always had is willingness to turn, uh, you know, weaknesses or uh, quirks into advantages. Um, one thing is, is that I live in Mississippi where the living cost of living is extremely low. You know, I have a pretty decent sized house for like 800 bucks a month mortgage, um, nice big yard. Uh, you know, and, and that's, that helps a lot that I can make a, a living, you know, with, without a whole lot of money to spend. Now I have financial obligations. Uh, as much as I screwed around in college, I have a ton of student loan debt and, um, that sort of thing. But, you know, when I'm looking at that versus, you know, say $2,000 for a tiny apartment in New York or Los Angeles, it's, you know, it's, it's a lot easier for me just to bail and do my own thing. Um, that in the before was a major disadvantage, uh, you know, being out of the loop. I think in some ways the way that the workplace works kind of caught up with me rather than the other way around. I knew for years that I tried to try to uh, get jobs with um, different publishing houses and things like that, and they would tell me, you have to be here in our office. You live thousands of miles away. And I'd say, why? You know, why? Why do you need that? You can even pay me, you know, like half of what you pay 
the people that you have living locally because it'll you know the it'll even out for where I live and I have Skype I have you know everything you possibly need to have me right there and they'd say well that's just not how things work and I would say okay and sure enough things started working that way um, you know with, with thisinfo.com uh, the disinformation company my boss there Gary is extremely forward thinking and realized that I could do a good job regardless of, of where I am um, you know and, and Joe Rogan I work for Joe uh, he's of course the same way you know and uh, between all these jobs I have uh, Joe disinfo I work for uh, sure design t-shirts in Thailand um, I, I do work for Random House uh, between all these things, I've managed to put together a living, and it hasn't involved me doing anything but doing the same things I've always wanted to do, and thought should, you know, shouldn't be a problem. It's just like it all caught up with me after a while. Yeah, the uh, you know the internet um, has definitely helped a lot of people have a little bit more freedom. Like you know, currently, yeah. um, you know, I, that's that's a similar situation in in my field. Um, like you know, right one one of the thing, one of the many things I do um, is. For my day job, I'm an engineer, so I do a lot of uh, you know work that involves um, communicating with people in different parts of the country, and you know. But in, in right. some ways, I find for me, I sort of miss the face-to-face aspects of that too. Um, I mean, it's sort of a, a yin and a yang to the whole scenario of this lateralization of the you know the workplace. And um, but it also has allowed me to like you know take time off and go train in the middle of the day instead of like sitting at a desk you know and you know work from seven to nine and take a break at ten and you know come back and work at two to like yeah. eight o'clock at night and that kind of thing. Yeah, you know I think that that's where things are going too, and I think ultimately that it might be better for the uh, uh, you know the environment for one thing. I mean if we're not all driving to and from for no reason at all. Uh, then it might, you know, we're not going to be on the roads as much. We're not going to spend as much on uh, fossil fuel. Um, infrastructure will be cheaper to maintain. Uh, you know, it, there's obviously other parts of this is an issue. Those electronics uh, don't just grow on a tree. They involve minerals that come from conflict areas. Um, you know, there's all kinds of other bad things, you know, blowback, like they say. But I really don't see things changing, you know, from where they're going. I, I just don't have to be in your office. Right? I mean, why do I have to be there? I'm right here. You can call me up onto my screen and talk to me anytime. I've got an iPhone. Hell, you can do it from my phone. Um, you know, I've got email. What is it that I do in person that I can't do at a distance? Or, you know, if need be, good grief, I can hop a jet and fly wherever you are. So it's, it's going that way. I think the older generation, and you know, I should probably include myself in that. I'm 42, well, 41, excuse me. Um, a lot of them don't see, don't understand what's changing around them. Uh, well, you know, you have to be in the office. Why? Because that's the way it's always been done. Uh, but it is. And further, in addition to the, um, you know, the ecological impact, I think as well, the family and community could be a lot better. If I'm at home, you know, I can work at my own pace, my own structure. And um, I, I will be home to spend time with my loved ones, you know. Um, I, if I have kids, I don't. But if I have kids, I'm there to take care of them. Um, and uh, I'm free to make my own workplace, you know, in the sense that I'm able to surround myself with things that are, are valuable to me and, and make me comfortable. Yeah, and that's a lot of, uh, you know, especially, you know, living in the location that I live in. There's, there's definitely the irony of living in a big city is that there's so many people here however 
everyone is like operating like an island uh, and this isolationist sort of vibe permeates uh, you know New York City and uh, you know that sort of like oneness that everyone has where they're singular and they're not communicating a lot and I think that building up you know some sort of home structures is definitely important in this kind of you know, like I said, I use the word lateralization, where you don't have to necessarily be face to face with your employers, allows you to cultivate like a little bit more of an interpersonal like connection with people. Yeah. You know, like in your personal life, you know, sort of not maybe be defined by like what you do for a living so much, you know, and be able to spend more time at home and being around people you want to be with, as opposed to like people you're paid to be with. Yeah, it is weird. I I, I think. Part of what got me out of that workplace also is is just I started really it just got to me, man. You know, I felt like I needed to medicate myself just to be there, um, surrounded by these people that you know, obviously didn't like me. And hey, you know, I'm I'm not your average bear. You know, I, I get it that you know I'm maybe like some kind of weird kind of cheese that only certain people develop a taste for. <laughs> And uh, so I'm not everybody's cup of tea talking about food. Clearly, it's dinner time. Um, but, you know, at the same time, I shouldn't have to be around that if I don't want to. Uh, between that and sitting in an airtight office with no windows that you can open for fresh air, no sunlight, um, you know, sitting at a desk all day and watching my body turn to fat, uh, I, I just couldn't take it. I mean, I, I felt like. I don't know, man. I sometimes joke that I feel like there's an angry, screaming chimpanzee inside my skin that just wants to break out and throw things. Uh, it was time to go. <laughs> Clearly, was this all? Uh, was this all before ahead. you started training jujitsu? Or uh... yeah, yeah, that's a good. That's a good point. I did start training jujitsu in January of uh, 2013, uh, and that was about the time when I was I turned 40 or I was about to turn 40. Uh, I was really looking at things around me. A lot had changed. A lot of the things that I you know, believed that were true or that I had forced myself to be comfortable with or accept uh, weren't. You know, I, I started thinking really about what I wanted to do, how I wanted to live my life and what was important to me. Uh, I was 194 pounds uh, and now you don't, you've never seen me, but I'm about 5'9", five, five, like 5'9", five, two-thirds, just under 5'10". So I'm a little guy. I've got a small frame. I'm not a big guy. And I was fat. You know, and it was because I was medicating. You know, I was, I'd go to the convenience, not convenience store, the, uh, what do you call those machines? The uh, candy machines. machines, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I would load up, dude. You know, I'd, I'd get the chocolate donuts and a Snickers and a, you know, uh, unleaded Coca Cola and, and just power it, you know, because I needed that sugar rush just to feel, uh, something besides anxiety and rage. Uh, Jiu-jitsu got me thinking in a lot of ways. I lost the weight, which exercising control over my own body was a step toward independence. You know, I started thinking, well, I can control this. Uh, I can control a lot of other things. It built my confidence. You know, when you're wrestling with people, Jiu-jitsu is essentially grappling. And when you're wrestling with people, and you know, you're not getting... Uh, killed, You know, that's one of the things people used to tell me when I first came in is, you know, don't worry. Nobody's going to kill you here. Relax. You're not going to die. Uh, and facing my fears like that built confidence. And uh, if I could deal with that, if I could deal with, you know, a martial artist taking me to the ground and choking me and, and not dying or having the worst things in the world happen to me, um, then who is somebody else, especially some 
shrieking bureaucrat to control me or to, to try to. Uh, I built confidence in my skills as well, my ability to learn things. Um, you know, I, I, I was just, I didn't understand why. Uh, why I had to put up with those things anymore. And I, I really clearly realized I didn't. I was also hanging out with um, a different set of people. Uh, my buddy Mike, uh, who is a jiu-jitsu guy as well, introduced me to a bunch of his friends. And, you know, things were different to them. They had a completely different set of perspectives. I, I came to understand that I was basically a surrendering to misery. You know, that I'd accepted it and, um, I didn't want to do it anymore. And jujitsu woke me up to that. I started to not really give a shit anymore what people expected from me and instead focused on what made me happy. And that's a dangerous thing, man. You know, when you start focusing on what you really want or what's important to you rather than you know, what society wants or what's a job or, you know, whatever. It, people don't like it. They can smell it. You know, it's like a, there's a second where you almost feel like they're going to go, we've got a runner you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and start chasing you down. So I ended up um, bailing out, you know, after about, of, uh, I'd say, eight months of uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Uh, I'm still there, obviously, now. Um, and, uh, you know, I just left there, open mat, to come uh, do the interview. Yeah. So it's, it's still very important to me. Yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, interesting how, um, you know, especially, I mean, martial arts in general, but especially the, the sort of jiu-jitsu lifestyle and culture that surrounds yeah. it, it seems to sort of change people's consciousness about how they're living their lives. Because, I mean, I've been, tra- I've been training for a few years yeah. uh, with uh, Marcelo Garcia at, um, oh, wow. at the academy here in the city. Unfortunately, I had to take a little bit of a break at, uh, last year because I tore my uh, meniscus. Yeah. So I'm just just now uh, starting to you know starting to train again, and uh, yeah, I also try train uh, Muay Thai as well. And um, for yeah, some reason, yeah, a great combo. For some reason, the Muay Thai is not as brutal on my knee. I don't know why. Or you would think that the opposite would be true, but yeah. But I'm able to train that, and I'm just starting to segue back into you know rolling with people again. But uh, but yeah, like my initial year of training um, really. I started looking at the world in a different way. Um, and also I think being around people that I normally wouldn't be around in my, you know, in my quote unquote normal life, in my everyday life. Um, but then I wound up seeing these people every day anyway for, you know, for a couple hours a day from training. Right. It sort of made me realize that, you know, maybe the, there is a, a deeper layer to people that, I wasn't seeing if I just looked at the surface um, because I mean I, I also am very active in like I play in a, in a metal band and awesome. and uh, you know it's I love I love music that's my number one passion in life is is creating music and touring and making records and all this other stuff. However, you know a lot of the, there's a very sometimes there's a negative vibe among a lot of the people that I associate myself with. You know, it's sort of yeah. you know that that sort of dark you know trip that a lot of people seem to be on and. Most of my life I spent sort of, you know, feeling those same feelings. But once I got heavily into martial arts and I started seeing different types of people that, you know, didn't wear black T-shirts and, you know, whatever, you know, you know, into Satan and all this other stuff, you know, there was like a, a depth to other people that made me appreciate, you know, things that were different, you know, and I guess that was like another, you know, big you know, breakthrough that I had through all the training. Yeah, you know, I, I, I understand where you're coming from. And sometimes it's really easy to dismiss other people because you don't know them and you um, almost kind of 
don't give them the same benefit of a doubt that you give you. You know, you have an idea that you're a special person and you're so deep or whatever, and you learn that everybody has the same struggles. Everybody thinks the same things a lot of times, and they have reasons to make the decisions they make, even when they're stupid or you think they're stupid. And getting involved with jujitsu helped me to open up my mind to different ideas and to not look at somebody that's living a different way than I am and go, what a moron, you know, you're not a moron. They've got reasons for doing the things and they may not be the right reasons or the right actions that they're doing, but you know, don't deny them the dignity of having their own inner life, you know, that they're also thinking and and wanting things and uh, trying to make their own dreams come true. You're going on the mat with somebody, you have this sort of common ground that even though this person is completely different than you, you share that experience and you also share, you know, just the rigors of training, you know, showing up on time and, you know, putting your gi on or not putting your gi on and, you know, warming up, you know, drilling and then rolling uh-huh. together. And then suddenly you have this thing in common with them and you meet them at this common ground and right. you can see, you know, you see them as a human being. Have you ever seen that? Um, there's that short video, uh, Jiu Jitsu, a way of life. Have you checked that out? Sounds familiar, but I don't think I've seen it. It's got like, uh, you know, Andre Galvao in it and, uh, Cyborg and, uh, you know, Dean Lister and like all these like, you know, luminary jujitsu, you know, heroes and, uh, kind of talking about a lot of the stuff we're talking about in some ways, just as how, you know, the sort of lifestyle, you know, how jujitsu sort of changed their lives and the way they see things and, you know, just the, um, you should check it out. It's like really interesting. You know. Yeah, there's a there's a culture, a very positive culture that you can find in jujitsu, and I'm certain that it, uh, it, you know, you find other things as well that aren't so positive. But I found uh, a lot of benefit. I can't say it's for everybody. You know, I, I wouldn't tell you to go do it if and stick with it if it's what you don't like doing. I'm sure that there are other things you can do. I, and I've seen marathon runners with the same sort of positive. Uh, outlook, you know, that has changed your life. Um, I, maybe it's something to do with physical activity of some sort. We don't get enough of it. Well, that's that's definitely a big, you know, big, a good point because yeah. in general, you know, everyone plugged in every day, you know, eight, eight plus hours a day plugged in, sitting in this like unnatural position at their desk. You know, it definitely creates a physical, you know, sort of. Uh, you know, vibe that's, I think is, you know, we're, we're designed to be like, you know, running across the plains, you know, chasing our food down. And And I think that we need to also kind of be in touch with the, you know, the warrior side of us that that's there. And you see a lot of men that are, and I can't speak to what it's like to be a woman, but I can certainly speak to what it's like to be a man. And sometimes you feel like your balls have been ripped off and you're just sitting there and that warrior side is not being satisfied. And I think things like jujitsu uh, helps with that, or you know, running or something where you're you're fighting something, you know, that you're out there, and even as you're fighting yourself, which I think in all sports you are, or all combat skills, or you know, all uh, athletics, uh, we should say, you're doing that. But if you're not getting it, if you're just sitting there, I mean, no wonder people are just looking to, you know, drown their misery in cheeseburgers, you know, and don't get me wrong, I love a cheeseburger, (laughs) but, uh, but it's not what brings me self-fulfillment. I don't think that other people will find it as well there unless they're making them, you know, chefs, I'm sure feel very, very happy. One of the things that like, 
you know, just the office life. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 45. So, I mean, you know, we're a couple of years older than you actually. Yeah, we're the same range. Yeah. The, uh, when I was, um, you know, working in offices and, you know, I started to get into my mid thirties. So I started looking around me at some of the people that were, you know, my coworkers and, you know, there were guys that were, uh, you know, they have that soft round, like look to them. And, uh, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, man, that's like, you know, this like weird sort of, estrogen rise yeah. and and that's from what it is from not using that testosterone and not you know whatever hormones that your body generates from like you know that sort of fight or flight activity uh was stopping you know the production of those hormones were stopping or trailing off and then this other sort of softer you know side was was being uh you know they're coming to the forefront and it just looked like the end of the line was coming at these people and uh yeah yeah they're they're a few years away from heart attacks and strokes and i think some of them it's like a subconscious death wish and i certainly felt that way you know i remember driving to work and going man you know if if something happened you know i slammed my car into a fucking light pole you know and and i just break something maybe i won't have to go to work for a few days (laughs) and uh we were thinking that man you know you need to really reconsider what's going on in your life. And it's funny how taking control just a little bit can lead to other things. And, you know, I'm not I'm not a fat Nazi, and I'm not a person that wants people to do anything with themselves that they don't want to do. I'm just telling you what I did and what made me feel better and feel self-fulfilled. Um, I lost 40 pounds doing jiu-jitsu, and, and now that is also with diet control, you know? Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I did some, you know, some calisthenics. Uh, I don't do as much anymore because I'm at the jujitsu place for sometimes six days a week, man. And it's probably not the right thing to do, but, um, you know, I gotta tell you, I've, I need that. I need to be there. I need to be in that and, and, and just immersed in that. And I, I guess find fulfillment in just fighting and fighting and fighting until I'm too tired to fight anymore. You well, know, finding where that, that bottom is. Yeah, I mean, it's an addictive thing, too. I mean, it's, you know, between, I mean, for me, between jujitsu and, and Muay Thai, it's like, right, you know, I'm, right. I'm at the gym, you know, five, six days a week as well. I mean, la- actually, last night, my our camp, we opened up a new school in the city, uh, Koban's Muay Thai camp. And, uh, That's la- great. Last night was our, uh, you know, sort of open house, you know, first training and that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, it's 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 that sort of addiction I guess, you know, it's a positive addiction in a lot of ways. You just, yeah. you know, it makes you feel good. You keep coming back and you keep doing it, you know? Yeah. And I, I think that, you know, I, I feel like getting to that level of fatigue, you know, these days, if I wake up and I'm not a little sore, I feel like I've done something wrong. Yeah. Um, and, and finding that level is, is good for you. For me, dealing with, you know, jujitsu also brought a way to deal with other insecurities. You know, I, I felt like, I wasn't very confident in, in my sense of being a, a, a man, you know, uh, not that I had gender issues or sexuality or anything like that. I mean, more in the sense that, you know, I, I, my dad was like a big football guy, right? And that was, that was all he cared about was sports in the sense that this is what, you know, he wants to do. And I always felt like that he was a little disappointed that I didn't, I wasn't able to play football, that I was a little skinny guy and uh, didn't want to 
play games like that. Uh, you know, I was more artistic. I was a writer. Uh, I always felt like my dad thought he was that I thought I was a kind of a weakling. And the culture that I surrounded myself with here, or that's around me, especially at that time, was that sort of you know physical culture that uh, that was devoted to sports and other things like hunting that you know I I didn't have an interest in and, and didn't understand or, or felt rejected from. So. In some ways, I felt like that made me kind of lesser of a man, you know. Uh, Jiu-jitsu helped me deal with that, you know, because I, I, I didn't know what how to deal with people that were athletic or how to deal with people that were, you know, interested in sports or uh, fighting or things like that. Uh, and it made me feel a little more comfortable, you know, uh, competent and, um, like, just more in, comfortable in my own skin. If, if that makes sense, uh, being able to defend myself, you know, I've always had that sort of insecurity of not being able to defend myself in a fight, um, is another thing. Cause I always felt like I was always at the mercy of, of other people. And at the end of the day, there was always that line that I was scared that could be crossed and somebody would, would hurt me. So, uh, it's helped me. It's helped me a lot that way too. And again, when you start taking control of, of the problems that have plagued you all your life and facing your fears, it, it's a lot harder for other people to, um, extend control over you. Yeah. Another, another benefit too is just like the, you know, you're saying like getting in your body, like back into your yeah. body because I mean, sure. I, I've more, more or less my whole life I've been sort of athletic. I mean, I, I wrestled yeah. and, you know, I, I did start in taekwondo before I got into, you know, any of these other arts. Um, you know, and I've always been like into fitness and like weightlifting and all this other stuff. But during the periods of time where I haven't been able to train in some way, I started feeling myself being detached from the physical. And yeah, it's a bad thing. Yeah, you know, and you sort of your 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 consciousness sort of goes into this weird cloud, and you're not so connected to the 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 sort of moment of being a physical being. And a lot of anxiety seems to erupt from that. Like I become like really irritable, and you know, real negative and judgmental of other people and all that sort of stuff. I can relate to that. I understand it. You know, but, uh, yeah, but the daily, uh, you know, grind of, of going out there and training, like, keeps you centered in that way. And that's, you know, something I believe that, like, as a human, you know, human being, like, we need to be, like, in that centered world, you know? I feel like now that I may not be able to beat you up, but I think that probably the average guy in the street, if, if worse comes to worse, I can at least give you a pretty good fight. <laughs> You know, and, and that's, that's to say something. I feel like sometimes, and it's a dysfunction in uh, the martial arts community, you know, there's always this question of, but if there was a street fight, how good is this for the street fight? Um, you know, I, I, it's weird because, for one thing, martial arts uh, and combat sports are so much more than that. And for another, what kind of life are you living that yeah. you're finding street fights on every corner? What kind of douchebag are you? You know, I, I'm left pretty much alone. Uh, and I feel like, you know, anybody that, that is going to like suddenly accost me or jump me, if there's a way I can get out of it. And if you want my wallet, by all means, you know, here, take it. I enjoy the debit card that I keep in my wallet for the 10 minutes that it'll take for me to, um, you know, uh, close it. And same thing for my iPhone. You know, I'm going to break it <laughs> in like five minutes. And, uh, so, you know, whatever. And, you know, I've got a great life right now. Uh, I've been married for like, you know, 
17 years, and I love my wife very much, and I have a lot going for me, and it's not worth getting, you know, punched and having my head hit the concrete and, you know, have a concussion or die or whatever, you know, even if it is a situation where I could probably grapple you, get you to the ground and, you know, choke you out. It's just not worth it. I mean, if that happens, if somebody attacks me and I have to defend myself, Hey, I consider, you know, what they call black swan event, you know, something unpredictable you didn't expect. and It's going to change a lot of things. And, and B, that's just assuming that I can't just get out of your way, go somewhere else, leave quickly um, or whatever, you know. And if that makes me a big pussy, that, that's fine. You know, you go ahead and fight the guy that has nothing to lose and might have a knife in his pocket or, or just, you know, been in and out of prison and doesn't consider another stretch a long thing and doesn't care about your life. So enjoy. Yeah, but you <laughs> know, most people really don't want to fight. I mean, I've seen, you know, I mean, growing up, and not growing up, but like living in sort of an urban area, I've seen a lot of just sort of posturing by... Uh, yeah, I think so. And I've, I've been in situations like that. And if you give people an out, typically they'll take it. And I, at this stage of my life, you know, being in my early 40s, I'm not in situations. At first, I'm off the radar for, you know, the kind of people that will, you know, look to start a fight. You know, you're talking about people in their 20s, usually early 20s. Yeah. And, you know, I'm an old guy now. They don't care anything about me. And um, I don't go to those kinds of environments. You know, I, I don't get out much. And when I do, it's I want to go somewhere where I can sit with my wife or my friends and talk and be heard and, um, you know, have a nice meal, maybe a couple of beers. I don't want to be at a, you know, um, whatever, you know, uh, squanches, uh, you know, daggers and daiquiris, uh, <laughs> fight-a-thon and live music venue. That's not where I'm going. I like the live music venues, but, uh, you know, in general. Well, yeah, I, I think most people do. It's just not my thing. Yeah. And I think it's fine. But, you know, I, I, I think the last thing I went out to see was a few months ago, Coheed and Cambria came in town and we went to see them. But that's about it. <laughs> Yeah, I sort of grew up going to see, you know, hardcore shows and, you know, like yeah. metal and, you know, Slayer shows and things like that. I did that, too. I, I saw a lot of uh, metal shows when I was coming up. Um, and uh, I just, you know, I, it's, I guess I'm kind of a homebody in some ways. Um, you know, I mean, and the things I like are not usually, I don't like crowds too much, you know, and I don't like have to shout over uh, people to be hurt. So, but again, I mean, it's, it's, that's totally cool if it's your thing. And most people, it is their thing. I'm, I'm the weirdo. Like I said, I'm the strange hunk of cheese that you may not like. So did you grow up in the South? Cause I know you're, you're living in yeah. Mississippi now, right? Yeah. I've, I've lived here all my life. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I know. I don't have much of an accent. It comes out sometimes, and I can certainly switch into a, you know, uh, affected accent if need be. And sometimes you have to dealing with people. But uh, no, I've been here all my life. Yeah, because you sort of have that generic, you know, American, you know, accent. Neutral, kind of accent neutral, Midwestern speaking voice. Right. I don't know where it came from. Uh, I watched a lot of TV when I was a kid. I stayed inside uh, and maybe picked it up from that or just didn't really want to sound like some of the assholes that I, I grew up with. Maybe it was a lot of that too. You know, I don't really want to sound like the guys telling racial jokes and, you know, spitting on people and starting fights and dip and chew, you know, and, and that was also a thing that I had to get over. You know, it was kind of a self-hating Southerner thing, which I think a lot of us do have, you know, it's uh, a situation where we realize that there are problems here and, but there's also good things as well. And sometimes it's, it's reinforced by, 
you know, television when every character, you know, it doesn't matter if, if the protagonists are caught in, you know, upstate New York even, you know, uh, the sheriff will have a southern accent, you know, or the stupid people that at the store will have a southern accent. And it kind of, you know, provokes, I think, an already defensive group of people that are being more defensive. But, you know, I had that and I had internalized a lot of that, you know, that I felt like if you had a thick southern accent, you weren't somebody I wanted to deal with because I just had so many bad experiences. And it's all me, man. It's it's not on anybody else. It's all my little head trip. Were you, uh, were you a big comic book fan when you were growing up? No, but I got into comic books later. Really? Uh, I was a late-in-life comic book guy. I got into comic books in college. Uh, somebody turned me on a preacher, Garth Ennis. Nice. Uh, yeah, yeah, I love Garth Ennis. And uh, from there, I, I read a lot of the you know weirder stuff, never the uh, spandex and capes things. Although I did get into that later. Um, certainly, I'm a I'm a fan of Batman. You know, I like all the Batman stuff because there's that weird gothic vibe to it, and, and Batman's clearly a nut job. So you know, and he's a self made guy too. Which which I like. He doesn't have any powers. Nobody thrust it upon him. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I got into it. And, and as far as comic book goes now, comic books go. Uh, some of the stuff I've really enjoyed is uh, Brian Woods. You know, the stuff he's writing, like DMZ. Love yeah. DMZ. Love the Massive. Love Northlanders. Yep. And I just pick up other things where I can and when I can and when it interests me. Yeah, I, I grew up as an only child, so I spent a lot of time by myself too. And uh, you know, I mean, aside from you know, football practice and wrestling practice. I didn't really get out to see a whole lot of people. And then when I got into punk rock, I became even more of like a singled, singled out sort of person yeah. because of, you know, just the friends I had and, you know, the five other kids that like punk music when I was a kid. I got bullied a whole lot. So, um, that had a lot to do with it. You know, I was already an insecure, anxious kid for a lot of reasons. I had a bad home life and, uh, and I just got the shit bullied out of me at the high school I was at. So it's like, I always tell people, it seemed like everybody there was like, Billy Zebka from the Karate Kid, you know, is that the guy's name? You know, blonde, perfectly coiffed hair, yep. bad attitude. And, Co uh, and Cobra Kai. That's a Cobra Kai. Yeah, guy. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and it's funny now. Uh, I wear a Cobra Kai shirt when I go roll sometimes, just as kind of an ironic joke. <laughs> you know, yeah, sweet the leg, Johnny. So, uh, but yeah, you know, I, and I think that was a big part of why I isolated and um, insecurity, which, you know, that escalated it. I got called faggot every day of my life, which I'm, I apologize for that word, but it's a horrible, ugly word. And, and I, I caught that constantly because, hey, if you don't like football, you don't go to church and, um, you know, you don't support the team. Clearly, you're homosexual. <laughs> you read, you're homosexual. Um, so I, um, you know, I, I it, and it's sad, too, because... You know, there were people that were really good people that uh, wrestled or played sports, you know, and you would have been one of them. But had I uh, talked to you, probably not. I would have avoided you uh, like my life depended on it and because of insecurity and, and fear. You know, it's like that kind of whipped dog thing, kind of. But at the same time, it was also my thing. You know, it was my problem. I wasn't willing to give you a chance, and that was on me. Yeah, but that's, uh, you know, that's the, the real irony, though, of the sports sort of jock mentality from, like, you know, you know, those formative years that everyone goes through is that there's this perception that the sports guys are the ones who are like, oh, these guys are okay, man. They're going to be fine. But like, you know, they're the ones who are actually doing the darker shit like that happens in high school, I find. You know, yeah, it's you know, high school's a bad time for everybody. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm just as guilty. I wasn't an angel. You know, I, I did. I 
certainly, you know, I probably terrorized a few people here and there, uh, you know, passing the abuse downward. I was part of that. Uh, I was, you know, an asshole to people. Uh, um, and, and, you know, it's, it's part of the process of development. And now there are some things I've not built. You know, I, I don't go to any high school reunions. I, I typically tend to cut people off when they, if I even remember that they were somebody I went to high school with. Um, I still have a couple of friends from then, but, you know, sometimes somebody will pop up on Facebook or whatever and go, hey, you know, I went to high school with you. It's like, yeah, you, you know, sat in the behind me in English class and spat in my hair and, you know, hit me constantly, called me faggot. So, yeah, I'm not going to have anything to do with you now. You know, even if you, you have changed and maybe I should be different about that, but you know, it's, it's hard to. Yeah. The other thing too, is like, you know, not so much when, you know, I was younger, but then once we got into high school, I feel like drug use and, uh, you know, alcohol use was sort of like, you know, a, a popular thing for the jock yeah. crowd to do. And that was something when I sure, started, sure, of course. you know, I started getting into yeah, straight yeah. edge, you know, straight edge. And, you know, for me, I discovered minor threat and like black flag and that kind of stuff. Sure. And I stayed yeah, away yes. from all that, you know, I still hum TV party sometimes. Yeah, I used to uh, sing that at work when the people that I worked with started talking about like the Kardashians or whatever. Um, but yeah, you know, and that, that is kind of odd. Uh, all my friends were into, you know, drinking and weed and whatever and harder stuff. And, you know, I, I think it's a normal developmental stage to go through, and there's nothing wrong with that if that's your back. I didn't. You know, I didn't get into – I didn't even have a drink until after I was 21. And not because of any respect for the law, per se, and as much as it was just – yeah. It, and I think a lot of it was fear. Um and, uh, and, you know, I had friends that were kind of screwing up and, uh, and had a lot of problems with drugs and stuff like that. And I was terrified of my parents too, yeah. uh, which is ironic given that my mother was, and as far as I know, still is a, a huge, you know, pill popping freak, you know, big drug addict. And my dad died of cirrhosis, you know, um, so from drinking. Yeah. That's a heavy thing, man. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's like for me, like I, you know, once again, I developed this sort of anti vibe just from listening to Black Flag and reading Henry Rollins and stuff, you know. And yeah, Henry Rollins is great. You know, I interviewed him on the Disinfo cast. Really? About a year. Yeah, yeah. Which I should also mention that you brought up the Disinfo cast. Uh, that's kind of on a, I won't say permanent hiatus, but let's say it's on a hiatus. Um, I kind of. I didn't really get enough turnaround from it. People really? were not interested, and I got a lot of, like, you know, kind of hateful comments. Really? And, uh, huh. What ha- happened was is that it didn't really bring enough interest from people to be worth, uh, worth the time. Wow. So I'm doing my own thing now. I do uh, the Stagnation Podcast, which is a lot closer in tone to what we're doing right now yeah. than it is uh, the stuff I was doing for Disinfo. Now, I won't say that there's not going to be more Disinfo podcasts. There probably will be, depending on uh, if we have a person that you know that best suits the medium for. Interesting. Yeah. Because huh. yeah, I noticed there hasn't been a, a new one for a while. Yeah, last episode it was Adam Scorgy. Scorgy, Scorgy. And, you know, you can even tell in that I'm, I'm just plenty pissed off um, and uh, disappointed. You know, it's and and haters going to hate, as they say. But sometimes, you know, you, you just kind of, you know, when you see a lot of people saying shit and not really people saying that they enjoy what you're doing, it's mostly just, you know, this guy's the most annoying person on earth and uh, he's a terrible podcaster and ruins every interview he does. 
or, or whatever. I, I was like, you know, fuck it. Um, I'm not getting anything out of this. And uh, if, if people aren't into it, then fine. I'll move on to other things. Yeah, the new the new podcast is is pretty good, man. I, I've been you know I've been keeping up on that kind of stuff, and uh, you know I, I enjoy it. I mean, I enjoy like you, you know the style that you have when you talk to people anyway. So it's you know it's well, thank you. I, I really really appreciate that. It means a lot to me. Uh, the stagnation and that's with two G's, like my name, just without the S. Stagnation is kind of focused on uh, getting better, self improvement. Um, you know, interesting conversations that go where they go, um, and and that kind of stuff. And it's not going to be everybody's thing, and and that's okay. I pay the bills. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm paying the hosting, so it's my dig, you know, my gig, and uh, it, that's okay if you're not into it. Uh, it is rough right now. I'm, I'm I think, you know, get trying to find a format and a groove. Uh, the next episode will feature uh, a couple of different people. Uh, Bennett's going to join again, and also my five minute therapist that week. Is is uh, Brody Stevens. Oh, so, nice. Right on, Yeah, man. that's cool. Brody's awesome. I love Brody. Yeah, he's one of my favorite guests that Rogan has. You know, he's like one of the yeah. recurring guests that I always enjoy. You know, his yeah. stories are pretty insane. The um, Well, what, what is your take on this whole sort of medium of podcasting um, in general, you know? I think that it's uh, an emergent art form that is only going to get stronger. Uh, I think radios, uh, terrestrial radio is on its last legs, and more people are getting uh, greater options. The, a lot of people still haven't discovered podcasting yet. I think part of it is just the name that turns people off, and that it's something you have to kind of experience. You know, you hear about this and you think, well, do I have to have special software or is it hard to listen to? Do I have to do a certain thing? And what is it? Do I have to have an iPod? You know? Yeah. And uh, it, it keeps people away from it. But once you kind of explain the concept to someone and give them, you know, maybe help them download a couple of episodes, you know, it's like you say, it's like radio, except that it's a million different programs about everything you like and then some, they, they get through it. But as more people discover podcasting, uh, I think they're going to look to it as... Uh, their main source of entertainment and information. You know, I, I I just recently subscribed to a podcast about Chinese history for Pete's sake. You know, um, that's uh, that's that's where it's going. I, I think that especially as long as they make the internet uh, free enough to to deliver these things, then it's only a matter of time before it catches on with more people. Yeah, it's uh, you know I'm never at a loss to find something to listen to. And, no, absolutely not. And you have these people that are. That are just there, you know, and uh, putting out quality material, and um, you know, it's it's great to be able to jump in the car and and uh, hook my earphones in and, and listen to, you know, Joe or uh, Adam Carolla or you know anything I want to listen to, you know, Risk, and uh, and it's all right there. And these people are approachable too, and they they're not doing the same old same old you know it's it's not that weird fake dj voice and uh you know hey did you hear about what happened on blah 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 you know and it's none of that stuff and it's great to have a little bit of a uh you know authenticity which i think is is really the the prime mover on the web you know i'm comfortable telling you about my problems i'm comfortable telling you about my um successes because i i want people to you know who i am um you know i'm, I'm not you know, I'm just a guy, and I, I'm a guy that is living in a tiny town, and and you know, sitting at a coffee shop or or whatever, you know, shopping for groceries, and you know, uh, taking care of my dog. It's you know, I want you to know that about me. I don't want to be 
or anybody, I think, to be in that position where, you know, it's just a voice on the radio. What are, what are some of your, uh, you know, what have what you, you been listening to, you know, recently? Podcasts? Or yeah, as far as, as far as podcasts go. That's a good question. Uh, I listen to a lot of story podcasts right now. Clearly, I listen to a lot of the Death Squad podcasts. I listen to Joe Rogan Experience and uh, Duncan Show and um, my friend Daniele Bellelli, all that. Uh, you know, I'm getting into hardcore history. Um, and story podcasts are where it's at for me. I'm, I'm listening to Risk, hosted by Kevin Allison. It's a great show. The Stoop, uh, Second Story, Shipwrecked, uh, just a bunch of stuff where people are telling true stories about their lives you know which i think has also been a big influence on me it's like somebody can get on stage and kind of name and claim their issues and whatever and uh, then then i can too and once you do that you can get better they're um recorded live in front of audiences or uh most of them yeah interesting uh, i would i would firmly recommend that your listeners check out risk and that's risk with an exclamation point and it's hosted by kevin allison uh who is a former member of a, a comedy troop called the state mm-hmm. uh which, uh, you know, a lot of people started out and like, uh, Michael Ian Black and Kerry Kenny Silver and Thomas Lynn and, uh, and a bunch of other people. Uh, and, uh, and this is his thing, man. He, he has people come on. It's, I think the line is true stories you never thought you'd share. So it is like, uh, a crazy mix of people talking about embarrassing stuff or funny stuff. You know, that's something I've been thinking about doing here because, uh, you know, there's like a small inner circle of people that, you know, within the extreme music scene, you know, that I'm generally moving are, are fairly well known. And just to sort of have these like very candid personal discussions or tell stories about certain things. I mean, there's, you know, just yeah. just straight up, tour, you know, even tour stories, like crazy things sure. that happen on tour. Well, Not even crazy, but like interesting things. You yeah, know, people don't have a you know entry into that sometimes. They don't understand what that's like or have ideas that aren't necessarily true. Um, you know, I uh, yeah, it's it, but you know, one thing about recording things is the microphone changes everything. Yeah, you, know, you put a microphone in somebody's face, and especially if they're not used to it, they get a little frightened. You know, and and the story changes to suit what they think the listener is going to want to hear, or they just freeze up. Yeah, I see that too. Definitely. Um, one of the things, though, is like within within the medium of doing a podcast. You know, generally it's in you know sort of non hostile environment where you're just basically hanging out in my living room and it's comfortable yeah. and you know it's sort of easier, I think, for people to get used to that. And it might take like twenty minutes of just talking before you actually get into a groove with things. I don't ever. Uh, yeah, I, I don't like doing shoddy, screamy things. I'm not good at it, and I feel like. I'm better spreading positive stuff and focusing on the things that I enjoy and just letting bad stuff wither, you know, or not have an impact on my life. And I feel like a lot of people should do that. So I never do those sorts of like podcasts myself. You know, I never, if I want you on my podcast is because I'm interested in your story, even if I don't necessarily agree with you, you know, right. I'm where you come from. And, uh, I, I don't often, I'm not a guest on things like that. I kind of feel like if, if, you know, you're here to attack me, I'm just, eh, all right, well, I'm not going to probably give you what you want. And, uh, and, and certainly I, I will probably not come on in the first place. Not to mean that I'm not open to criticism. I just mean, you know, really in the long, uh, and short of it is, is that if I'm going to get constructive criticism, especially like of a, of a really harsh variety, uh, I'll, I'll take that from my close friends and family. 
you know, <laughs> not a, not some random dude on the internet going under, you know, whatever, you know, spleen sucker 42. Yeah. So. That's, that's something that, uh, you know, being involved in music that there's always like, you know, whenever, yeah. whenever there's like an interview or some sort of show review or record review on some blogs, oh, brutal, I'm sure. Yeah. You know, and it's like, that, that's helped me, you know, years of doing that's helped me develop sort of a, a thicker skin, you know, with people. Yeah. But you kind of want to go, look, why on earth are you even doing this? You know, why? there's a million different things you could focus on right now that, that make you happy. And people go, well, people need to know A, B, or C sucks. It's like, really? Because I feel like if I don't hear about it in the first place, then, then maybe I, I won't even deal with A, B, or C. You know, tell me about D, E, and F. There, there's a website called Brooklyn Vegan, which is... Um, I've heard of it. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's actually a pretty well viewed site, and uh, you know they, you know, it's there's like uh, of course it's a blog, so there's comment sections on everything, and you know a couple times I've read it, and uh, you know I mean I, I've been interviewed by Brooklyn Vegan a number of times, and there's been reviews of my records and shows and whatever, and I always never I never read the comments because it's like I know yeah, I, don't. How, I, I know how brutal it's just brutal. Like even when I, when I look at something that like I like. You know, a show or the comments are just like, they end up devolving into this, not even talking about the subject that they're commenting on. It just becomes the same five people exchanging, you know, bullshit with each other. Yeah. And I agree with you. I don't do that anymore. I don't listen to, I don't respond to comments. I don't read them if I can possibly help them help it, you know, because it's just too much of a head trip. I can't remember what they call it, but there's a psychological phenomenon where one is more likely to pay attention and value negative criticism than positive feedback. Hmm. You know, isn't that weird? That is you know, weird. so it's like, why, why do I open up myself to that? And, uh, and ultimately it's not, uh, of value to me and I'm really at this stage of my life really trying to live for myself my family my friends and the people that like me I, I don't have time for uh, anything else I don't want to one of the interesting things about this whole podcasting explosion is the fact that I wasn't a huge comedy fan before getting involved you know and listening to these things and yeah. you know Rogan was definitely my entry into that and as a result uh, you know, I discovered Duncan Trussell and Joey Diaz and all these other people. Oh, I and, love those guys. And like, but now I'm like, I seek out comedy. Like, and I, I've, I see comedy shows live and I've never really been a fan of that medium until, you know, and I find that that's where a lot of the sort of inspirational, you know, real deal, you know, insights come from. You know what I mean? It's like you can actually, yeah. when you listen to Duncan or, or Joe or, you know, Joey Diaz, you actually get, you know, like, really heavy emotional content from them. It's not all just laughs, you know what I mean? And dirty jokes. And that's the thing I really appreciate. Right. And, you know, I think that it's hard to be a stupid comedian. You know, I I think that if you've, if you're a successful comedian, probably then, then you've got to have a lot going on, you know, to be able to think those ways. Uh, I have never even been to a live comedy show, but, uh, I grew up loving comedy. I grew up in the, uh, you know, I guess we both did in the eighties during the stand up boom. Yep. And I used to, um, stay up and watch a and at the improv and all that kind of stuff. You know, that was like my, uh, big thing. I'd stay up all night and watch, uh, comedy acts. And I, I really grew to love them. And, you know, I remember watching a lot of people now that are, that are still in the business, you know. Um, and uh, that's, that's kind of where I came from. So it was actually kind of cool to learn that these people that I liked had their own shows and I could tune in and get more of their stuff. Some of the writers 
that I've been reading lately, you know, such as, uh, you know, Daniele Bolelli and um, Scott Sigler, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. Scott's yeah, a good friend of mine. Oh, really? Yeah, I, yeah, dude, I, I just, I'm in the middle of reading Pandemic right now. And uh, yeah. isn't the new one, the third. Isn't it great? I can't put it down. It's creepy, dude. Yeah, you know, Scott would love to hear that from you, I'm sure. You should uh, shout at him on Twitter. Really? Or I even invite him on your show. I think Scott would probably come on and talk with you. He's a good guy. Wow, yeah, that'd be great because, uh, you know, I start, I got turned on to him uh, through, you know, hearing his, his interview on Rogan. And uh, Actually, I, yeah, I was, uh, you know, uh, I, I kind of turned Joe on to him. Really? Yeah. So. Wow. Yeah, it's, so. it's um, also what I think is really interesting about his story is that, you know, nobody wanted to publish him at first. And, you know, he's sort yeah, of he said, suck it. I'll just do my own thing. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's amazing. Time. That's like such an empowering thing, man. And it's so punk in a lot of ways. You just all right, it is, cool. and, and Scott is a wonderful person. I, I've had the pleasure of hanging out with him a couple of times at uh, San Diego Comic Con and New York Comic Con. And uh, he's just a good guy. Just all around real deal. Good guy. Yeah, it's. Uh, I devoured the first two books. I read Nocturnal. I pre-ordered Pandemic, and it arrived. You know when it when it was released, and I got the hardcover yeah. of that one. And I just been like tearing through it, man. It's so good. Yeah, he's Scott's. A, Scott's a great guy, and yeah, he's a very talented writer and very self motivated, smart as you could possibly be. And uh, I have a lot of respect for him. Well, that's the other thing with his books, and you're talking. You know, I'm glad to hear that. You know, you think he's smart because I also think he's very smart in the way he sort of. You have to make one leap of faith into his universe, and then everything else makes sense. Yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. like there are interconnecting threads through his stuff, which I think is kind of cool. You know, that's so. like the best science fiction where you only have to make one sort of like you yeah. know jump, and then you're in this universe where everything else makes sense and all logic applies. Yeah, I honestly don't understand why he's not as big as say Stephen King. I really don't. Give him some time, man. Give him some time. You know, I've been turning a lot of people on to him. I mean, every, you know, I, I have a little clique of friends. We're all like a good friend of mine used to own a comic book shop. And, you know, we, we hang out a lot. We actually do another podcast that's um, dedicated to horror movies and comics called Necromaniacs Podcast. And uh, I love horror movies. Oh, dude. I, um, that's, you know, one of my passions, you know what I mean, is horror films and, you know. Everything. Yeah, I, uh, I got turned on to, well, I mean, I, you really didn't have to turn me on to horror, but I remember being a little kid and watching, like, all the creature feature stuff that would come on local channels. Yep. Um, you know, and and, uh, and growing up and, and loving, like, dark, gruesome stuff, uh, you know, I, I started reading things about Bigfoot and aliens and, you know, uh, loved all the universal monsters, and, uh, and it just kind of started from there. But, uh, but yeah, I've I've been a horror uh, fan for a long, long time. I even used to run a horror website in uh, 06. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> that, that did pretty good. I had a lot of different guests on there, and, and that was kind of how I got, you know, I made some connections and started doing more of this kind of work. Yeah, dude, it's, um, I've been wanting to do something uh, for the last couple of years, and uh, my friend Mike Scandato, who's like the former comic book uh, shop owner, and I, we just launched our first episode a couple weeks ago for the Necromaniacs pods podcast, and uh, oh, that's great. You know, that's it's been going well. I mean, we got a lot of pretty good feedback for it, and but that's you know that's that's the other the other side of things for me. But uh, yeah, man, I I you know Sigler's work 
it, it sort of combines a lot of that science fiction and like, you know, horror elements. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I want to do an episode dedicated to the, uh, you know, that trilogy of books that he, you know, he just finished. Well, up. I'll, I'll speak to him. I'll be happy to get him, uh, to talk to him and see if he can get on there. I would much appreciate that. That'd be I, I would, I would not be surprised if he's got a few minutes to uh, talk with you. Yeah, no, that'd be great. Even, you know, that'd be, that'd be amazing. I would love to have someone like that on this, you know, or even for the necromaniacs one, you know, mm-hmm. but, um, well, anyway, uh, you know, thanks. We've been going for a while and, um, you know, I'd like to thank you for uh, taking time out of your day and, uh, you know, giving, giving well, a talk to me. Here. Anytime. And I'm sorry that it took uh, a little working to get this together. Um, and I apologize for that. It's uh, very much unlike me to forget to do an interview. <laughs> so, um, yeah, if you don't mind, I'd like to encourage people to come check me out. Absolutely, <laughs> man. That's okay. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at M-A-T-T-S. T-A-G-G-S. Uh, that's pretty much uh, where I am all the time. It's the easiest way to contact me or to ask me questions or just say hi. Uh, I am on there and, and try to respond to almost everybody that talks to me. I love sharing weird stories. Uh, that's kind of my favorite thing to do is to dig around and find interesting and odd bits of news to tweet out. Um, I will soon have a website devoted to the podcast, but meanwhile, if you want to subscribe to S-T-A-G-G-N-A-T-I-O-N, uh, Stagnation, uh, we should have uh, episodes out on a semi-regular basis. Uh, you can find me at disinfo.com, where I'm a site editor and write original stuff, and also a science fiction site, um, www.suvudu.com, science fiction, horror, fantasy, things like that. And a couple other things. I work for sure, design t-shirts, etc., etc., etc. And, you know, I, I hate to be like, let me pimp stuff, but, dude, these people have helped me on every level. All of them have been there in my corner, and uh, I, I can't thank them enough, so I'm always shouting their praises. And, of course, uh, Joe Rogan, uh, I work with him as a guest booker and uh, do some other behind-the-scenes stuff. So, absolutely, uh, listen to him as well. And also, if you're in the market for uh, hemp MMA gear, uh, check out uh, Dazasara. That's uh, one of the affiliate, you know, associate uh, sponsors we have for the podcast. And uh, great people. If you want to get, uh, you know, some organic cashew butter or uh, Alpha Brain, check out On It Labs, and you can reach both of those sites through the EverythingWithBlackMedia.com website, and just look on the sidebar for the portal, and I get a little kickback if you purchase something from them. Do you have a Datsasara uh, bag by any chance, Matt? I don't. I'd love to have one. i got to get one. Yeah, they're awesome, man. I have uh, the Battle Pack. It's uh, yeah. You can fit everything. You can fit a gi. You can fit shin guards, headgear, boxing gloves, uh, rash guard. There's a little section, like a little pouch on top if you want to throw a mouthpiece and some tape in there. Water bottles, dual water bottle nice. pouches, too. It's like yeah, well that's a, that's a done deal. It sounds like I'm going to have to get one as soon as I can. Yeah, they're the red. So hey, let me ask you. Uh, since you're sure. a huge comic and uh, you know horror movie science fiction fan, what do you, what would you say uh, some of your top comic titles are right now? Well, um, you know, I'm not really reading anything that's recent. Uh, I wish I could tell you that I am. Um, I, I'm I do pick up a lot of graphic novels, uh, and I'll go through Jags and, and read them. Uh, and I think, like I said, the last thing and the thing I've been pushing on people hardest is DMZ. You know, I think they recently came out with some, you know, uh, premium hardcover editions of that. But you can still get the soft cover books. It's my favorite graphic novel that I've ever read, and uh, I wish people would check it out. Are you? Uh, you ever check out Alan Moore's uh, Swamp Thing? 
Love Swamp Thing. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great stuff. That's just literature, man. That's like... Oh, absolutely. I, I love Alan Moore's work. He and Warren Ellis. I'm a big Warren Ellis fan as well. Transmetropolitan. Um, yep. Great stuff. Yeah, I've interviewed Warren, and he's a delightful person. Just delightful. Warren, there was a period of time where that dude had so much out. Like, it just seems like every month there was something coming out by him. You know, either... Uh, you know, when he, he worked for Marvel for a while, like he had the yeah. Iron Man thing, and there was like just a huge outpouring of work that he was doing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's a, he's a great guy. Good, good attitude, really pleasant person, uh, just really sweet person. You know, you'd think that he'd be kind of intimidating, but he's just a nice man. Yeah, I loved his uh, extremist thing he did on Iron Man. That oh, was, that was awesome. great. That was really great. What about uh, what are horror films slash sci-fi films? What are your, uh, you know, what, what's, what's your, you know, say favorite stuff these days oh wow that's a that's a great question man it's it's always depends on the mood that i'm in you know um you know i think the i liked something recently that a lot of people didn't it doesn't have to be recent vhs dude i love that the first the two of them are great yeah i haven't seen vhs uh two yet but i love vhs i love the guys at magnet they're they're i bumped into them at comic con and they're just super cool guys hooked me up with a t-shirt um you know it's uh i gosh um it doesn't have to be recent. It could be like, well, you know. Yeah, I mean, sure. Lifetime. You know, like uh, 28 Days Later is one of my favorite horror films. Uh, you know, it's it just, wow. You know, I, there's too many out there. I'd have to dig through everything. Uh, it would take a while. <laughs> With uh, VHS 2, I, I highly recommend you check that out because it's, um, some people didn't like it as much as the first one. Yeah, but, check it out. But there's like one particular segment that makes the whole thing. Well, don't tell me too much about it, but I love it. Because I loved like 99% of VHS 1. I love the opening one. I like you. <laughs> yeah, man. And uh, I love that. I just loved everything on it. Uh, yeah, I love the weird serial killer guy, the mass murderer that kind of blocked in and blocked out. Yeah. You know, staticky looking dude. Great stuff. Remind me of like Creep Show or something. So. Yeah. The, uh, in the second one, there's one that has, like, live, like, a guy in a suit, you know, like a guy in a, dressed like a monster, and it's awesome. And that's, yeah, like, check it out. you know, no CGI, yeah. like that one, man. Like, just it's watch the jam. All right, man, so uh, have, a, have a good evening. Have a, the rest yeah. of your weekend. And uh, you, you going to watch the fights tonight? Uh, yeah, you know, I, I don't think I'm going to get to. My wife's home, and I'd really like to take her out to dinner. So good plan. let's go from there. <laughs> All right, Matt. Take care. Thanks a lot. Thank you.